You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at soundtalentmedia.com. Welcome, Welcome to the Smoking Word. What's up, everybody? The Smoking Word Podcast is brought to you by CasaTheRock.com. You want to support the show? Go cop some merch. That's the way this thing works. Spread the word. You can also follow me at HoyerRock357 on Instagram for any news. And you can catch us on Spotify and Apple Music. Today, my guest, guitarist for Built to Last, Angels and Airwaves, Boxcar Racer, and the one and only Hazen Street, and the man behind James Coffey, my bro Dave Kennedy. Let's set this shit off. Um, the smoking word, hold on. The smoking word. I want you to welcome my bro, San Diego's finest, Dave Kennedy. I don't know about the finest, but San Diego's own. I'm San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on, Dave? I'm glad I got to catch you, man. A lot of people, there's been like a whole Hazen Street, you know, uh, resurgence of people. You know, people, all, you know, love the band. We're going to get into that. But a lot of people been telling me, yo, you got to get Hazen Street, blah, blah, blah. And I said, let me get Dave Kennedy before anybody. Well, I got Toby, but I wanted Dave Kennedy on. <laughs> yo, but um, no, people, people want to know what's cracking with, with DK out there. So I was like, yo, let me touch base with you. And I'm glad I got to catch you, dude. How you been? I have been good. I um, just kind of, well... You know, just I've kind of had different, quite a bit different focus other than music for the past, you know, seven years or so. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> but, we're gonna get into uh, the roasting. Yeah, no, but um, um, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I have been just uh, ultimately, yeah, uh, you know, after Hazen Street and uh, you know, music is such a big focus in my life over so many years. Um, I just uh, needed something else or I knew I was going to because I think music as a focus sometimes is kind of it loses some of the fun or excitement or you start making decisions if you're not in control of your decisions you know you're making things just to make it happen as opposed to doing it because you think it's the right thing to do and so I figured if I could find myself a day job um, I could then make music kind of like I could say yes I could say no I could just do what I wanted and it wouldn't be like, okay, not what I have to do. So yeah. the past years, uh, I've been focusing on a day job. No, being, it's more than a day yeah. job. You got, oh, you got, yeah. I got to say, yeah, you know, your job, you got a pretty good job, you know? Yeah, um, I'm fortunate. I see a lot of, in, in the, the path that I focused on over the years, I really, there's a lot of parallels to music and community and all that stuff. I still get to do, I just don't get to, do anything loud if that makes sense like everything's pretty it's like if i i compared not that i've ever done heroin at all you know remotely but i'm just as a comparison i've always compared music to like kind of heroin and then like everything else like is like methadone everything just kind of stays keeps me even and keeps me like you know that my addiction to music and live shows and, and um that energy that really you can't replace that with anything else um, or nothing will get you to those same places 
but there has to be something that sort of just rounds you out and just balances you the rest of the time. And um, so, yeah, I, uh, you know, my work just sort of keeps me balanced. You know, it doesn't give me the highs that music does at all, but it doesn't give me the lows. Either. It gives you the jitters for everybody yeah. out there. Dave is the man behind the coffee at James Coffee. You got based out of San yeah. Diego and how many locations you got? You guys got we the have, best coffee. I take it from the coffee guy over here. Even though I've been um, clean from coffee for the last four or five months, I'm detoxing. Yeah, I heard that on your podcast with or your conversation with Toby Morris. Yeah. And I was just like, and Toby was being Toby a bitch about it too. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you guys like. I was just like, I always get, I always try to be cool about it when people say like, oh yeah, I'm just kind of taking a, I'm taking a beat or I'm relaxing from it or I don't drink coffee. Yeah. I try to be cool about it, but deep down it definitely. You're like, me. bitch. Yeah. Well, cause I'm a, at the end of the day, I'm a pusher. So. Uh, pusher. No, but all right. What locations you got off the top? Because not too long ago, a couple people hit me up and they were like, I'm in San Diego. James Coffee's your spot. And I said, yeah, go hit it. But I always yeah. forget, you know, I don't know. The demographics. Um, we, did, we have three like retail spaces around town. They're all like within a couple miles of each other, essentially. They're all down, downtown or in or around downtown. In Google that shit, you coffee heads. But at the, the end of the day, at the end of the day, yeah, you Google it. Yeah, it's there. <laughs> There's a few places. But, and then but we the have good, like another work. The good shit is that how we were talking about, like, I remember we used to talk about during the Hazen Street days. We'll get into that also. But, you know, it, it was never, we were never making no crazy money. We weren't making money, period, really. And I remember that was always kind of the thing, like, yo, man, we can't depend on this shit. We're, we're just living off yeah. every tour paid for the meal of the day. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it was all a way to, like, but that's what, I mean, it's just a way to get to the next thing and connect the dots, you know, and you, you try to keep connecting the dots as long as you can, you know, yeah. essentially. But yeah, but no, but the music got you know got that you know that came through music also that's the shit about this music shit that as much as i hate it sometimes like it or not our whole lives revolve around everybody we know everything yeah. we do connects to music i realized that a couple of years, like you know 10 years ago like literally everything has something to do if it's one of our friends if you see somebody on tour they're coming through you know your business you know, um, if you're getting merch in dice, we're doing it with that whole hardcore mentality of or how we get merch done. Let's find the oh, merch. Yeah. It's crazy, right? Well, that's what I did. I mean, that's all I helped. I mean, all my, all the music was all training for this, you know, I mean, people might have, for me, yeah, as far as being uncomfortable with not having any money or spending all my money just to get to the next thing, I was, we've always done that. Like, there's nothing, it's, every, you've always been comfortable or you've been uncomfortable being uncomfortable and most people aren't like that. And I think pursuing music just because you love it and you believe it, regardless of being able to, to keep score and say you, ha you know, with saying what you have, it's more that you just do it out of, uh, yeah, it's, it is out of passion. It's out of blind faith. So you just, you, and, and same thing with, I guess, starting a business, it was the same thing. It's like uh, all these people would challenge me at the beginning why would you do this? You know, you have all these other people and, uh, but you're like, I, I enjoy it. I want to do it. And, and, um, I feel comfortable committing uh, like a hundred percent because I've already been doing that with, you know, some, uh, another, you know, portion of my life was you just committed. 100%. Yeah. You know, what's the cool shit that I like about 
your coffee story was you weren't a coffee drinker your whole life. No. You know, it kind of happened later. But t- t- tell that story. How, the, how did you discover coffee and, and how old were you? You weren't because I was drinking, you know, Latin people. We drink coffee when oh. we're two years old. I still tell people right now. Well, I, told them I gave my because I was like, because I have a daughter now. And uh, I've been going off of your lessons of when I can let her start drinking. I was like, look, Hoya's been drinking coffee since, well, at the time you actually told me three. Yeah. So <laughs> I was like, I get, I get, so she's got another, she got another four months or eight months until she can start drinking on. coffee. But, but, um, but I have, uh, that's been in my head. I was like, look, Hoya and his family, they've been drinking coffee since they were, so it's fine. He turned out great. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, hell yeah, yeah, hell yeah. But how that. old were you? But tell that how, how you I, fell into coffee. Start, because I, It must have been in my 30s. I, uh, I you know, um, yeah, my early 30s. I, didn't, I was, all, you know, I just, I was always so stuck on this whole, like, not wanting to grow up thing, you know, and I have been, I still never drank any alcohol or done any kind of, what do you call it? Like uh, recreational drugs or anything like that, you know? Poor you. But I was like. I did get tired of saying just always, I was always saying no to everything, you know, it's like no to me, no to this, no to that. And, and I was like, you know, people are going to coffee shops and that was a social activity that a lot of everybody does, especially on, on tour, uh, traveling. And I'm sitting here, I'm literally drinking steamed milk and eating a cookie. <laughs> and at some point I was like, you know what, I'm going to participate in this social activity, not just by sitting here, but you know, you know, it's like, anyway, people drinking beers, they talk about their beers, drinking wine, they talk about their wine. And I wanted to get in on some sort of conversation. And uh, so I, you know, I jumped in with, you know, vanilla lattes and whatever, you know, ever else I could put into well, it, you know, from a real spot or was it a, like a, a no, Starbucks? Like, you know, I was Starbucks and I liked Pete's a lot. Pete's was my, I liked that better Pete's as far good. as, um, you know, as far as, what I was getting, but it, 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 it took me a while. I think I was in Australia. I know I was in Australia. I don't know why I said it. I, I know I was in Australia and where they served me a flat white. And I just never had anything like that in my life. I, I, at that point, the guy served it to me and I took a sip and I was just, my, my mind was pretty blown from that point. And that started me just asking questions. Like, why is this so much different and so much better? And there was nothing in it but milk and uh, espresso. Yeah, I steamed milk and espresso, and I was like, I, uh, and so when I came back home, I'm looking around. And that was my first stage into all that stuff, and then eventually I found another cup of coffee in Los Angeles where it was just a, 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 a you know, a cup of black coffee, and and again it had that sort of connection with no, 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 nothing added into it. I just thought it was, and then it started connecting that. Oh my God, like what coffee is? It can be so much more than just. This yeah. sort of black industrial liquid it can be it can have all these flavors and it can be different it can be brewed all these different ways and so it just really took me down a path of being a home enthusiast and, and it uh, came at a good time too because like the coffee culture got oh. big you know what i mean it's always big but it got really mainstream which and, and you know people hate when shit gets mainstream but the good part about it is the quality goes up you know you get yeah, better quality more people could um research info on it and all that shit so yeah and it's different because we've so many it, it, it embraces a such a large demographic you know you know you don't in music and in so many different forms of art 
if you like something and then all of a sudden Joe, uh, Joe, Joe normal. Yeah. All of a sudden it's like, Oh yeah. You like, you know, you, uh, you know, you like mad ball and you're like, uh, like, and then you look at yourself and you look at him, you look at yourself and you look at him and you're like, well, fuck, like, wait a second. Like what just happened? Like, I don't identify with that guy, but yet he, you know, and you can get kind of confused. Our people have, they shouldn't, but you know, you do because you're trying to through music and through, you know, whatever, whatever your uh, path is, let's, let's say music, you're trying to create your identity um, with, you know, the things you listen to, the, how you, the things you wear. And, um, and if some other guy or other human is that you just can't see connecting with, you know, it'll kind of, that's what happens. I think with pop, when things become popular is that it screws with people's psyches. All of a sudden they're not who they thought they were and they have to find their individuality again. And, um, and coffee doesn't do that. Like you go into a coffee shop and you just, it's like going into a grocery store. I mean, it, it, it reduces the demographic, you know, some specialty shops and different things like that, but essentially coffee can also just be coffee. So, so you don't feel like confused by liking the same amount of coffee. So I think the more education and the way it's grown, it only helps, you know, the Starbucks and the Pete's and they've only helped and them being in the movies and being all that, like it's, it's allowed people that also go like, Oh, if that's great, like what else is great? You know? And then, so they've really, you know, so many the, the media uh, entertainment has, you know, opened up so many doors for smaller coffee roasters like ourselves because they've embraced it too. You know, and now there's like a lot of bands putting out coffee, you know, um, Oh yeah. Group, people oh. around the music scene, you know, they're roasting and doing all that type of stuff. But the crazy part, as much as people want to say um, uh, 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 liquor and drugs and rock and roll, people forget that in touring, you wake up, the first thing you want to do is drink a coffee. Maybe now yeah. you would appreciate that part more. But that's, oh, yeah. where, that's where I think the magic of coffee comes in, is when you're traveling in the morning with other people, that's where you kind of, you know, you know your, your brain wakes up and you, you start your bullshitting over. I love it on tours. That morning coffee and that morning shit talking was always yeah. the best. You know what I mean? That's where the magic of that. And there used to be a really good show on um on TV. I forgot on which I'm, I'm fucking one of these cable channels. It was called On Dangerous Grounds. You you don't remember that? I I never saw it, but I, I I've seen um I'm aware of it. Yeah, and I know the I know the um I don't know if he's considered the owner, but the founder. I, you know how those kind of companies break their things up, but yeah, um, he uh, the La Colombe uh, is yeah. his, um, well, his jam. And what was uh, cool? Yeah, what was cool about that was he kind of broke down the story. You know the, you know a lot. There was a lot of cool shit I learned about it. Like you know, like obviously my mother's from Nicaragua. Was rest in peace. But um, you know, big coffee culture and coffee is very cheap in South America, but. The secret was how to get the coffee without it molding from South America to the States. That was the hard part. And America, they broke it down on the show where America had very low standards on mold on their coffee. Like the average coffee spot got moldy coffee. Like, you know, a lot of these big chains, they let a lot of shit coffee go through because the standards were low. And then the high end coffee was because they were able to transport it from these spots or, you know, before it was locally, you know, and, and, um, having it, you know, um, shipped from these villages 
back to the States. And they kind of broke it down how Expresso got to Brazil, you know, and they, and he actually went into the jungle with his one family, very poor family, coffee family, but they're roasting fucking Expresso in an old ceramic round thing, you know, old style. And they said that was brought from Italy. And it was a lot of, there's a lot of cool shit that comes with coffee, you know, it's like, uh, well, yeah, I think like it's, it's cultural to the region that it's in. It's, it's fun to see. It actually identifies a place, you know, like, uh, uh, the way coffee would be made in Italy to the way the coffee would be made in France. They actually have like, I mean, things are now all bled over and washed out now, but the way coffee was actually roasted in the Northeast of America compared to the Northwest of America. It's really fun to think that like, just wherever you're at, like it's, you know, you could be like, oh, like, you know, like I said, like things have now, you know, everything's been changed, but it's just really cool at, at times that that's really like, it's like history, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. Have you ever tried that that coffee that the monkey shits out or whatever that thing is? Yeah, coffee the walk, yeah. But I, I, I essentially, you know, unless somebody challenges me or tells me that I've, I've got it all wrong, but I, I don't. Um, I don't think it's, unfortunately, um, uh, the way that coffee has now become such a, you know, it, the whole thing, the cost of it is based on supply and demand, right? If, a, if an animal is eating something, di- going through its digestive system and then coming out the other end, and then that's considered the processing of the coffee, there can only be so much of it. But so, and then they, they've been marketing it as this like sort of no acidity, yeah. all kinds of kind of silly things really and it became like a very high specialty demand so the so now it can be something they can charge a lot of money for and then therefore they can they would rather try to meet demand with that high dollar amount so they start like putting those animals in cages and force feeding them and doing all kinds of things you're kind of like all right well look the reality is that's not it it, it's it's kind of well if you need a gorilla to eat some beans and shit it out for you I, yeah, yeah, I need a I know job. This COVID. I'll send you a whole bag. Yeah, we send gotta... me a bag. <laughs> we could do this shit live on the podcast. I'll share the mouse. You know, coming for the sauce. Everybody that really wants a pizza for you. That's <laughs> yeah, you can that's have it is. now. But um, all right, look at well, the 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 music got you to where you at now. And I know obviously you came up in San Diego. Obviously, you were where that's what it was proper San Diego or was it like fucking um you you grew up like outside San Diego or something outside of San Diego in the mean streets of Rancho Bernardo oh yeah I know Bernardo (laughs) (laughs) not Rancho Cucamonga but um well all right for for everybody out there who don't know they've played in in a whole bunch of bands built to last was the hardcore band yeah, I played in a band. My heart, my my journey in that was yeah, a band called Built to Last, and then a band called Over My Dead Body. Um, Built to Last and, was uh, first, or or yeah, Over My yeah, Dead Body. yeah, that was first, and then um, and that was my intro into this whole. I really got even though we were in San Diego, I felt I really got connected to. We had a pretty good. I mean, it's a small scene, but we had a pretty collective scene so it was fun to be in you know but we were always obviously looking how it lined up for each person i really lined up with i really liked all the new york bands um, and, and that's what i was gonna say uh, your area because 
you know, still San Diego got that vibe. You know, it was always, you know, obviously yeah. San Diego, L.A., and then up north. You know, when you hear yeah. it, San Diego always had that. Maybe also because you got to, you know, you're also bordered um, um, Mexico and you got to, it was always a little bit, you know, it, it had that vibe, a little bit more wild. Well, we were, I would give us in the uh, early 90s and all that kind of stuff. I mean, we were, uh, us in San Francisco were really kind of connected in that way. We didn't like Los Angeles and Los Angeles never had a good sense of, and I don't know, I don't know how many people if it upsets people, but, uh, you know, of community, because it's so spread out. There's so many people. It's hard to say like you're, you know, if you're in one part of Los Angeles, it's just not the same, you know, yeah, and yeah, San Diego yeah. is small, like, and the Bay area is essentially all so connected that I think it has, you know, it, we were able to be more diverse. Like we weren't so separate from each other, like you. And so you had to all kind of, um, be together at every, at all, always. We didn't have separate shows for, individual neighborhoods and where i feel like los angeles almost yeah definitely because it had that it was widespread i know what you mean yeah, yeah. within yeah. los angeles they had their own world then san diego yeah. was always san diego and the bay was always the bay yeah and we would just uh, i feel like from the bay to us we would always just try to skip over <laughs> yeah and um what was how did you find it i mean california has that special thing with punk you know a lot of people yeah. get into it through the old punk you know, the whole yeah. um, punk movement, whichever whichever bands were coming out of there, was you came from that more than the metal shit, right? Or, or you know, cause Yeah, you, I didn't come from metal, metal at all. I, I came from freaking, I was more like new wave, to be honest with you. I just happened to the lyrically and the angst is what, when somebody first played me, you know, initially like Minor Threat and then into Gorilla Biscuits and then into whatever, I was like, and the stuff they were saying, I just identify. I really liked it because I think when you are growing up, if you're a skateboarder, surfer, into some um, aggressive music, people would look at you like you were whatever. You know, they would uh, judge you in a way that, like, you know, I didn't care to be judged. I guess so. Then I was listening to these bands that like had all that sort of um, energy, and yet they were kind of kind of talking about you know being something else you know which was being straight edge and and i was like i liked that juxtaposition of you know having a shaved head and running around and um and yeah, being loud and and i was like but yet i was like but you that go to you know like i was out I, I you know and it didn't not liking adults or whatever when i was a kid like most of us did um still don't i was like i was like you're judging me but yet i'm sure that you you know you're just a degenerate, you know, and <laughs> you, and then you, 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 you know, you cure, you, you know, you free yourself and wash your sins away on Sunday, you know? So I was like, don't, don't, don't be so quick to judge. So that's kind of all the, where I already was. And I just started hearing some of these bands that I just really liked. And, and it was cool. It was something different because down here we were all about, there was so much, you know, SoCal, the punk scene and the surf punk scene, as far as from the, all the bands, Pennywise and all the fat yeah. record stuff. And I was like, uh, I didn't really, again, that kind of played into what people would have expected, you know, of me. And um, so that's why I went on the East coast stuff and some of the, and then also in general, just the East coast stuff as an umbrella, but then breaking it down to some of those other straight edge bands and stuff with their um, lyrically, I was like, 
uh, but I could kind of use that as a guideline on how I wanted to, yeah. uh, you know, con not confuse what would just like make people go like, Oh, like you don't do that or you are this way or something like that. You know? So yeah, that was a thing that for sure. Like the whole San Diego, like you said, uh, it makes more sense and the whole Bay always had a more connection with the East Coast than Los Angeles. Yeah. Los Angeles had its own world, you know what I mean? They had yeah. their bands or whatever, but for hardcore, for sure, San Diego was always like, oh, you're going to get the guys running on people's heads. Oh, that's like New York yeah. style, you know, and it was always like that. Yeah. And um, how did you fall into guitar? That's one thing I never knew. Like, what did you oh. play anything before? Or why guitar? Or, yeah. or was that the only thing you fucking... You had Richie Valens, man. Richie Valens. <laughs> Come on, uh, on little, yeah. Little, I mean, fifth, that I fell on guitar because of that. Uh, La Bamba, the movie was just like. I mean, I thought that was the coolest the cat on the planet. Like walking around school with his guitar on his back, I was like, this guy. Everything about that dude was cool. Um, so I wanted to play the guitar. That's all. How, how That's old? just how I fit in. Uh, Ten. Yeah. I was playing violin before that. So yeah, I was playing violin. My mom had me playing violin from when I was like three or four. And uh, yeah, she gave me the, she gave me a chance to jump ship. And I did. I was like, I'm on it. Like I watched that movie and I was like, oh, that's what I want to do. And um, I mean, I, you know, I never become very good at it, but uh, I, um, but it was something I liked. I liked, and it's just the guitar just became something the way I fit in. You know, if I think of pieces of a band as pieces to a puzzle, that's just my yeah. shape. You know, it wasn't anything because I have an actual connection or love with that particular instrument. I just liked being able to fit in yeah. somewhere. Yeah. And built to last. How were, how old that? So that's your first band. How old were you when that started? Cause you know, um, it's funny, not too long ago, it came up somewhere. Somebody was talking about Bill Tyler. I was like, oh, shit, D Dave Kennedy, somebody, I, I, I don't know, I saw an interview with somebody or somebody, yeah, oh, okay. I forgot where, but somebody brought um, it up. I, it was just from a, it was, again, I just happened to fit in. Some some guys uh, were trying to start a band, and uh, how old? I was probably seven, 17 years old, and I was like, and they're like, Oh, this awkward kid over here can kind of play the guitar, like. <laughs> and um, maybe it was eighteen, I, but I had to been pretty young, you know, somewhere around there. And I remember, yeah, it was, it was a, it was horrible, but. Um, I, no, I but the band going. made noise. The band. How long were you guys around? Because, you know, a bunch of years ago, you know, again, like I said, somebody brought it up not too long ago on an interview or it had, something. It had been about six years. I mean, ninety-four to two thousand. I can't remember when. Those are key and years. I, they might, they, and what's that? Those are key years for hardcore. That yeah. that yeah, next, yeah, you know, era. Yeah, yeah. As, as much as I think I like, because coming in, I, I miss. Like I imagine you were kind of a baby, in the <laughs> mid '80s, right? Oh yeah, I was a, a cute yeah. little baby. Yeah, in the mid '80s, but yet you were there, like seeing Agnostic Front and seeing all the bands. I came going in. To all a, those I came in on the last end of that. Like my first show yeah. was in '88, so I, you'll yeah, never okay. hear me say I'm old school or none of that because old school is yeah, like stigma and all yeah. those fucking guys, you know, yeah. Roger. Yeah, because then there's the guys before you, but you were like right there. You yeah. ultimately were there, and so I'm later in the '90s, and plus I'm on the West Coast, but 
I still was looking like I missed it by a million miles, but I really, I missed things by a, so many years. Uh, and then, so you still had a lot of development through the nineties, you know, um, for all that music and uh, things that we were a part of. We still got to see things and hear things. I was a little closer to some things than I thought I was, you know, now looking back and listening to some, um, like, well, listening to the people that you've been talking to. And I've been listening to some of the people Toby's been talking to on his podcast. And uh, I'm like, holy shit, like, they actually reference years that I was, you know, participating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I wasn't there, but you know what I mean? Like, I was actually like, I bought that record or I was, I went to that yeah. show. Or I, and I, I, I was like, oh, I, I know that. Like, it's kind of, kind of crazy. It's cool. Yeah. You I know what it is? That, what I also think it is part, you know, with a guy like you included and not even know it. And the same thing with guys like us was that a lot of the old school people minus, you know, a Roger and stigma and a handful of other dudes, they forgot about the scene and left it even though we're not like going to every show or whatever, we continued for many years. If it wasn't through our one band, it was through another band still connected to the scene. And I think we had a lot more, not me personally, but like guys like us put a lot more or more time than the average dude in the earlier days. You know, there was more. Oh yeah. You, you're a, yeah, you're a, you're like, uh, what is that? I don't know. You're now, and I can say it about you and maybe you don't want to say it about yourself, but yeah, you're, you're like top tier. Uh, like, <clears throat> you know what I mean? Like you're at the, you're, you're at the very like, yeah, a hundred percent, you know, cause you've been, you guys have been unwavering in your representation of that, of that particular music scene and commitment to it. Like, I don't know. Is there another band? I mean, I don't know if you can answer that question. Or if you yeah, no, to, but, it's just, we basically um, had no choice. You know, if it wasn't this, it'd be Robin Banks. <laughs> that was, I know. <laughs> Or coffee shops. I'll be right now. The only thing is, there's not gonna be much. There's not much money in a coffee shop. Yo, Dave. Yo, Dave. You got money. Yo, Hoyas. That you. Yo, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) But all right. But yeah, no. We all put in our time, and you know, again, like I said, I had a hardcore kid. He was hitting me about your spot. Yo, that's this guy. But you know, I'm like, we're still, you know, um, um, in the mix. You know, doing things, and you know, guy, especially like you guys. You know, like. You know, I know when bands come on the road, you're always inviting them. And guys, whenever they go there, they go, I want to check out Dave in the spot. Yeah. And, you know, that's the cool shit I like. I like, you know, when our, our people, you know, are doing other things and still, you know, it's good to feel that love, you know, with, with the yeah. other things that we're doing and shit. Well, it's still, I mean, it's like you said, it's maybe in this point, because we've gotten so old and so many years have gone by, that's still the most critical development of my life, really, was those years, that music. I mean, that's, that's really set my work ethic, the way I interact with people, the way I hope people interact with me. You know, I mean, it's, I learned so much through being in, immersed in San Diego and music and the people around here, but then getting a chance to be immersed in your world. I mean, even though I'm like a, just a small portion of it. CasaRock.com, home of that fly DIY. You want to support the show? Go cop some merch right now. We got a lot of new t-shirts, shorts, and caps available. Everything is made in-house by your boy on the spot. So show some love. Support the movement. CasaTheRock.com is the spot. And 
I mean, that was, you know, that really shaped a lot of. Yeah. Yeah, it, it did. It shaped, who, you know, who I am. Hardcore, why I, hardcore is, I tell people, is like, it's like we have a superpower. And that doesn't mean that we, we don't go to every show. We're not there stage diving. But once that shit's in you, you know, we yeah. have a thick skin. You know how that is. It's like yeah. we've seen yeah. it all. We've been in the worst predicaments. It doesn't matter if you came from money or not. If you were in this world, you were thrown into all types of lifestyles. Yeah. Essentially, and- essentially, in the short of it, if you're in this world, you're, you've, you're comfortable or you're familiar with getting punched in the face. <laughs> yeah. And you understand... <laughs> And you understand that there's consequences to your actions. Yes. And so you, you're, you're aware of everything around you and you respect things around you, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think that's so important. And also that's so important in anyone's development, hopefully. Yeah. And that was, that was. And the, and the cool shit about you was, all right, you went from doing the hardcore. So it was that, and then you had your second band and the second band um, over your dead body, you said, right? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, over my dead body, but over yeah. my dead body, not no, yeah, over your dead body. But you know, um, I get a lot of cre- yeah, I get a lot of credit for that, or in that world, you know, with friends, I get more credit than I probably deserve in that band. But I was, I was a part of that band. Yeah, that was my second, like, actually committed to hardcore band. But I kind of came in. I wasn't the OG guitar player. Yeah. I don't remember if there was one. If I just came in as a second guitar player, but I don't actually remember the the birth of that. And how long before. was that for? They did, that was for that was that was for uh, well it must have been from maybe ninety nine to two thousand two or one or but they might have started in like ninety seven or something like that I mean it, you know and then they still peppered around and maybe played some shows and did things I, you know it's kind of horrible my 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 brain fails me from time to time uh, or quite a bit on actual timelines or how long things lasted or didn't last. But, um, but yeah, that, that is one that's sort of foggy for me. And then, yeah, you did your time in the hardcore jail and your hardcore prison. Yeah. <laughs> and then right after that was the, was boxcar, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was, that came from, uh, we were actually, uh, it was my kind of at that point in my life, I was in my early mid twenties and I kind of realized that the commitment to, I was, I wanted to play music, uh, playing hardcore, you know, <clears throat> if I can, I don't know, say this, but I could see that the commitment of doing it, it was going to be really hard to, it'd be a, it's only a handful of special bands, especially at that time, maybe sick of it all, maybe, um, maybe a couple others that were actually probably paying some rent and stuff yeah. with their bands, but they were like the biggest ones, you know, you're like, well, I want to play music, like, and I want to do this, so. I don't know that I need to, I needed to start putting it out there that um, I needed to maybe not that I, not that I was leave hardcore music, but I needed to kind of broaden my, what you beat uh, my, yeah, my, my reach, you know? So I was, I started looking for other things, other, some other people to play with and stuff. And, and um, yeah, so, you know, and box car had um, homeboy from blink, right. And who else was in the band? Travis was from Blink as well. Oh, yeah. The drummer. So we had Tom. Yo, yo, yo. You froze. You froze.
There you go. You're back. Are we back? Yeah, yeah. So you said uh, we're talking about Blink. Um, so I mean Blink. Talking about boxcar. So yeah, Travis no, we were Tom, talking about Blink. Yeah. So you were saying it, it froze with you doing, but um, <laughs> no. So it, 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 Travis and Tom from Blink. But but how did that? Did you know those guys before the band? Yeah, I how knew. Did that, I how knew. That I, the, I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to jam you up too long with that part of the story, but essentially. Tom is a part of, we were part of, we had a friend, our friend circle when we were teenagers, Tom was in that friend circle and we all individually had different bands. Uh, there was the Get Down Clowns. I was in a band called Them. The Get Down Clowns. Clever. That's kind get of Down Clowns. There was uh, another band called the Icono Class. <laughs> and then ultimately Tom started Blink at that time. Um, Blink was the only thing that actually, obviously. I think I heard of them. I think I heard of them. Yeah, you think you heard of them. And uh, so, I mean, Tom, you know, he kind of, you know, obviously things moved on for him, but it wasn't like because we had that connection at that age, it wasn't someone that I couldn't reach out to and look for, you know, advice or, you know. And, and I, ultimately, I, we started after so long, we started chatting. And uh, I was looking, I was like, I wanted to bridge the gap between, let's say, the music that I was into. And then Tom wanted to bridge the gap that the music, that he was currently playing. And I was playing just kind of more straight up sort of hardcore and he was playing in Blink. So we were like, what's the middle? What's, what can we do in the middle? So and, you, uh, it was start, you were part of that, you know, um, you didn't join yeah. nothing. You guys all started no. kind of together talking about yeah. it and then started Boxcar. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, uh, yeah. And then it just sort of put me into a very uncomfortable uh, environment pretty quick. Um, cause I didn't really understand, you know, you playing hardcore music and then you have somebody that sold millions and millions of records. It's not, a, it's, it's, it was yeah. dramatic as far as for me to all of a sudden to be in or around that. Yeah. You that were never an attention any, guy. That's why there's some people that love that big attention. Yeah. Of course it feels good to, you know, to be. Uh, people like what you do, but I know what you mean. It's it's kind of makes you uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable oh. still. You know, like yeah. too many people. Like, hey, yo, we love you. Oh, it's you know, it yeah. feels good, but it's, it's I still feel awkward sometimes whenever that happens. You don't know what to say. Yeah. You're like, okay, sick. I like yeah. it too. I don't know what to say. Like, <laughs> but General. no, well, I mean, I just, and the the whole thing, yeah. So that's where I. That's how the. That's how we got kind of. That's how I got looped into that world with Tom, and then ultimately. Travis, um, and 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 how long? What, what did you do with that? Was how many recordings? What was? Because I, no, I learned it wasn't much. It was. I learned about that through Toby short. and through when we first met. Before we'll get into the yeah. Hayes and Street shit, shit, but it was all because Built to Last I knew, and then the, your other band, um, over my dead body. I I remember yeah. it, but I never heard mainly yeah. Built to Last, and then always Boxcar yeah. Racer and fucking yeah, so on. What did you do with that? And recording wise, it wasn't, much, it wasn't. It wasn't much. It was just the timing was. You know, record label still really had all kinds of power. Blink was at a peak, um, and so you know, for as much noise as it made, it really all we actually did was we recorded one record and we did one tour. Never went to like Europe or anything, oh, that was it. Uh, sure and did that. some radio shows, did some radio stuff. But it was all, you know, it was just a. It was a weird little year and a half or something you know maybe you know and then um, and then the next band you band whore yeah i just 
And then, then what? All right, this is what well, Angels and Airwaves and Hazen Street. What was first? Hazen Street. Hazen Street. So, all right, let's talk about Hazen Street because a lot of people fucking been at one of these days. I'm gonna do a Hazen Street reunion. Well, we we get every. I'm gonna do it before Toby jumps on it. So you heard it here first, everybody. But I, we're gonna get. We're gonna try to get everybody on one day, and we could talk some shit. But yeah. um, how did you? How did it come up? On your side, the whole Hazen Street shit, like when you first Be- heard or got, you know. Well, because we, uh, Boxcar Racer took H2O on tour. And so I obviously became close or familiar with Toby and Rusty and, oh, well, I don't know why, but oh, just H2O, everybody, Adam. Um, you know, I became very comfortable with them for that six weeks or a short, that period of time. We just, and I was already like, you know, from where I was at, I was always already so familiar with um, all of them. I not just seen, you know, I was a fan already, bought the records. Uh, I remember seeing Toby running around uh, in the Rancid videos going like, seeing that dude is cool as hell, you know. And then I remember seeing uh, Adam Blake. He played uh, in Shelter, I believe. Yep. And uh, he came out. Uh, to San Diego, I saw him play, and he had his puka shells on. And I was like, "Oh snap!" I don't know. <laughs> no, from about all that, Mr. Blake. But shout out to Adam I gotta, Blake. I got to see Adam blossom, essentially, you know, because he was, you know, from the oh, mid yeah. those '90s, and then going into H2O. He's just such a. I was just a fan of everybody already. I was already kind of like, um, you know, yeah, I was already so familiar. So then I got the opportunity to spend time with them. It's like all I want. I still wanted to be close and, you know, try to learn, just become, yeah, just, I just trying to live out my. And then, but uh, you, you remember how the whole Hazen street shit was brought up to you on your side? Cause well, I don't remember I became, even meeting you the first time. I just remember the next thing, you know, where mm-hmm. we're, we're chilling, we're hanging out. I don't remember like, don't, hey, what's up? I, I'm, I'm Hoya. You know, I never even remember it was just a, It was just a talk. All of a sudden, Toby's like, you know, Boxcar wasn't really doing anything. I, because of, I guess the band, I'd become kind of with, uh, you know, Chad uh, Gilbert from Newfound Glory. Chad, you know, boy, we, shout out to Chad. Um, we had become, you know, close almost because I, I moved to Los Angeles. And, uh, um, and we were all, I and, and, and yeah, and I, we were actually the three, the three of us, we all kind of lived around each other on the same block from music. We were just kind of close. It's a pretty, um, that was interesting that time period. And then, and then, yeah, Toby just had this plan wanting to kind of almost the same thing. It kind of felt like, you know, starting Boxcar Racer or being involved with Box Racer, the conversations to start Hazen Street were almost similar. Like everybody had their path and kind of, we're going, but it was like, oh, like this would allow us to not everyone was friends already. So it's like, obviously, Toby yeah. and you guys were so close. I think having the opportunity to actually play music together was, you know, appealing. And then also just being able to do something that was different than what you, you know, I felt like listen, hearing that you guys were up for doing it and wanting to do it. Uh, it sounded like the same thing. It was like, oh, it just gives us another platform, yeah. you know, get, express ourselves a little differently. Yeah. And um, without the same expectations, and um, uh, and so that that was just that was the start of the conversations. I don't really I I kind of remember the first I assume is the first rehearsal. Um, 
at Swing House. And I remember the first time I got to hear uh, that bass just come in, you know. I wish I could remember that. I was trying to remember it was in Fool the World, but it was one of those songs, like one of those early ones where we just started and it all started like all of a sudden. Yeah. And I then, remember, uh, Freddie, and it was, yeah, yeah. I remember. Because I remember, um, like, I, again, I don't remember if it was the first day or whatever, but I remember jamming, like, first putting the songs together. You know, again, shout out to Chad. Chad had a lot to yeah. do with the, he was a lot of the glue. Even one of the reasons we, you know, when we got asked, he was like, yo, I would love to play with you guys. You know, um, I love all your guys' bands. And, and I remember um, hearing um, he, he had one of those, I think it was Fool the World, as a matter of fact. And I remember, you know, oh, yeah. I, I remember yeah. knowing that, the, you know, hearing the music, I knew it was different. And I knew Chad's background. Well, Chad's a real hardcore kid, but obviously Newfound oh, Glories yeah. on the more pop punk thing that we're doing. But I remember the one riff, the boom, 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 boom. And I remember being like, you know, you know, at first I was like, it's kind of goofy. Not gonna work. Yeah, exactly. I was like, it's kind of goofy, mm -hmm. but kind of what you said, like at that moment, I remember hearing it. And then I remember Mackie jumping in on drums. Yeah. Right. And then I remember going, and I remember yeah. like Mackie bopping and I'm like, yo, if we yeah. could make this shit, you know, it feels good now. Mm -hmm. And I go, man, if we could, if it feels good, you know, fuck it. Like if, you know, it felt, yeah. it had something to it. <laughs> It would just seem like that was, this is the point, is the opportunity to do something that wasn't comfortable. Yeah. And so w that was the whole point. Like it was to let like, you know, um, someone like Chad that could really pull everyone essentially out of their comfort zone and be like, yeah. you know, because Chad can write songs. And great. Uh, yeah, he's, he's a great, you know, he can really write songs and uh, he's got good vision and he could make everyone uncomfortable, but everyone had to like still put their own personality into you know, it still had to be you and, yep. but it was you initially uncomfortable and you had to find that. So it's just really, it was for me, if nothing else, it was exciting to see everyone all of a sudden like being them, but in a different way and hearing Freddie sing, you know, it's like all of a sudden I was like, Whoa, this is, yeah, yeah. It was fun. you know, no, it was it crazy. Was like I, it was funny because to me and Toby couldn't look at each other like the first six months yeah. playing because we would just laugh. We were like, get laugh. the fuck yeah. out of here. We're in a band together. Yeah. Like we would literally yeah. not look at each other on stage because yeah. we would just start laughing. laughing. But um, yeah. for, for us, for me, you know, I can speak for Freddie. And that was like our first um, experience um, getting snowballed into something that moved fast, you know, yeah. because we got thrown in, you know, when that, when that, when we started jamming that, that thing popped off and, the next thing you know, we're going to California. We're rehearsing. We're doing demos in all these studios. And then um, pretty crazy. Do you remember, though, like, I, this is something you and Toby didn't talk about. I haven't heard anybody really bring up. But do you remember demoing in Brooklyn, in Dumbo? No. What we did yeah, at Maddie's spot? Was it at Maddie Henderson's it, spot? It might have been. It was up in a loft. It was upstairs yeah. in a bombed out, like, it, back then it was like, I don't know what I imagine, Dumbo, I, you know. Yeah, it, it was. No, it was that, that, but I don't remember, remember a lot of that. It was like that. a crazy, and there was a, the pizza joint. Like, we spent a lot of time in New York, and I think you guys don't realize, like, I think you guys, because it is probably so natural to what you guys were doing that you're always focused on what you did in Los Angeles. We did a lot of stuff in New York, um, and... Uh, initially and I remember that was yeah that was I mean we spent weeks and that was a I just kind of curious yeah if you remember that, yeah but. no it's funny because I didn't remember a lot of that yeah. what I remember was um 
obviously the swing house jams all that time. Yeah, I remember was- like um that was the spot where all the like the, where we saw like um the Bengals rehearse that right and fucking yeah Luke was, Assault. Yeah, yeah I can't. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I don't. I would, was, sne- I would sneak in was- when the Bengals were playing. I would sneak to the door and yeah. like, yo, shit, listen through the door. That was always something. I mean, that was the swing house is a pretty an established and famous was rehearsal spot. You know, you could have it's right in the middle of right in the mix yeah. of everything right in Hollywood. So it's like, yeah, you could potentially have a list of bands. Yeah, people. we had like, and I remember what I remember was demoing in that um. In the Foo Fighter studio, you remember that by Amoeba? Yeah. Remember that? Me and you were—we um, we almost wrecked the place wrestling. Don't you remember? We were wrestling. Well, that was that. Uh, that was—I—I I don't remember what I remember. Just it was—I just remember the place that was. Uh, yeah, it was up on. I—I—I I, I don't know what the. I'm terrible at the streets. The Sunset or something like East, and by Amoeba Music, and then it, I just remember the guy, and I remember getting mad about the fucking chain link or something, the pull-up door. Yeah. He went too fast. He came off. It's just some goofy shit, the goofy stuff that I remember, you know. Yeah. Um, so I remember working there. I definitely remember wrestling. I definitely I re- remember fighting. I remember in that little ass, because th- I remember they were like, oh, this is Dave Grohl's studio or whatever. Yeah. And I just remember me and you wrestling, almost wrecking the place. Yeah. We were like, it was a small yeah, spot. Yeah, we were both we were like assholes. I don't carry as much weight as I used to back then, but, um, but yeah, we, I think we used to scare some people when we were fucking around. Yeah, no, it was crazy. But I, I remember a lot of those, those like jam times and where we ended up because of, you know, uh, we were thrown in like some weird situations. I remember a couple situations with you, especially, you know, I remember being at a meeting. I won't say who was in the meeting, but it was me, you, somebody else in Hazel Street, and some other people that were running the company and they were selling uh, us the world, telling us how our lives oh, were going to yeah. change. And I remember me oh. and you we were like, I remember, I remember specifically, you know, if it was cool to that people seemed that psyched on the band where they were I like, know. yo, this is going to blow. And I remember being, I remember saying, yeah, God hoping. And I remember they were like, nah, nah, this shit's going to blow. Yeah. And I remember me and you looking at each other. I never forget that. And re- being like, know. you know, we believe shit when we see it, but like, we, we can't even I know, pay our I don't psychic know if that, I've always wondered if that was a blessing or a curse that, that you could, you know, you take things, you don't get anything until you've got it. You know, yeah, like as, exactly. somebody telling you something doesn't mean anything until it's like tangible. It's there. That, you have that, it. That's what I'm saying. But, like, but, I, I was proud of that moment now that, you know, when the real shit was getting thrown at us, we didn't fall for the bullshit. You know, you yeah, or me. I remember, like oh, it was no. me, you specifically at that. Not the whole band wasn't at the meeting. It was me, you, and one other person in the yeah. band. But I just—I'll speak for me and you. But I remember uh, me and you specifically looking at each other, like, yeah, you know, yeah, sounds great. But you know, not till we could pay our sidekick bill. You know what I mean? No. Like, you yeah, know, it ain't happening. And fucking um. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing is that 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 was always something that, I, like I said, I don't know because I would. It was so hard to hear people say stuff like that and just believe things. And, um, but also I've been around people where they just are unwavering. They just believe everything that anyone says to them. Yeah. And it works out for them great sometimes, you know, yeah. to where it's like, well, maybe you're supposed to really just be like, oh yeah, that's what's up. That's what's going to happen. And, but I just, I'm just not wired that way. I can't. Yeah, I know. And you I know? Even... it's like, I keep, keep working for it until we have it essentially. Exactly. You know? And that's what I was going to, I remember that moment a lot because to me, that's like, you see how people act 
you know, when the shit goes down, you know, like yeah. you really see who falls for the for the the, the Kool Aid and shit. You know what I mean? And I'm glad that we we kind of were like <clears throat> that hardcore mentality. You know, we heard all the stories, all the rock and roll stories. People get promised the world. You know, we don't believe it till oh. we have it. You know, and um, and especially you know, like we talked about, I think with Toby, like. How crazy was that in the middle of the warp tour we did flying in to do the showcase for Epic doing fucking two songs flying us all put us all up at the W Hotel and all that shit. Remember that? You know it's funny. See, that's something that I actually don't fucking remember. You probably you I you it's funny that you don't remember because I want to say that Warp Tour was the last tour that we did before the band because um no we did uh we did Good Charlotte and Some 41 and that was the uh, last one we did. That was the very last one that we did. Yeah, that was the, the very the, last one. Then, then it had to be the Warp Tour, and then that tour last because I remember during Warp Tour, we already started feeling the effects of different owners at the record company and where yeah. we stood in that record company. Yeah, yeah. Core support and all that in the middle of Warp Tour. Uh, the whole thing was, yeah, it was also it was also fast, but it was very it was a it was a lot happened. It was a lot of work went into that portion of time you know like with the, a lot of traveling a lot of uh, shows um taking showers you know. outside at warp tour yeah that was warp tours I, I thought shit? i would never i did end up doing it one more time after that but um not the way yeah, we I, had to do it that's for no, sure no i didn't have I, I didn't do horrible. it like that <laughs> horrible that shit was a I nightmare mean, it's, it's character building. I tell you who it was horrible for, which I just, I, you know, and now these are the things that I look back and realize is Royce. Oh, like, I'm, Royce. I mean, I just. Royce is a fucking, he's a trooper. Hey, he is a machine and he was such an, I don't know. I don't know what to do for him actually at this point. Yeah, but, <laughs> I know. I just hug him. When I, you see I know because the, the reality is at the time you don't realize what everyone's, or maybe I was young or just not paying attention, just stupid. But yeah. I mean, Royce would push all the equipment. He did so much. And, yeah, he, and, Royce is a trooper. Yeah, um, it's true. And, and especially that, like, we were getting to do a lot of big things, but um, Royce was our guy, you know, and Royce was multitasking like a motherfucker, you know, and a yeah, former Marine. Trying, what do you expect? Trying to budget everything on no but. I mean, he just, yeah. I mean, he's just <laughs> such a beautiful human. It's crazy. Yeah, and with his cute little Chinese eyes. I re <laughs> and I remember how crazy. I remember, I think, I don't know if we talked about it with Toby, but like one time getting some money and with uh, whoever we were dealing with at the time, and we had to like meet him. We were meeting people in alleyways, getting shit in alleyways. fucking envelopes. Back alley gave us a paper bag of cash. And it was like, I mean, it was, it was a lot. I mean, it essentially in that paper bag was a lot of money. I mean, it got yeah. divided up amongst all of us. So it becomes less money. But yeah. the reality is pulling up into a black, dark alleyway. Yeah. Dark, I, our manager at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, man. So much crazy shit. That's what I was saying. Like, you know, from, you know, um, our first tour period was main support for story of the year when they were fucking yeah. had a hit song on the radio playing orlando yeah. i remember the first show was at the orlando house of blues you know that um, was yeah first show and martin was with us remember it was warren martin warren. royce we had the whole squad you know it was, we, i yeah. remember looking at each other like we made it like all our yeah. boys you know it's everybody yeah. here is actually a friend and shit martin and, 
Mine, yeah, mine's killing it. You know, yes. mine's. Um, well, he, he started working for like Sean Paul or some kind of. Yeah, crazy he did show. Sean Paul back then, and you know who he's with now. He does. I don't know if you know, heard of them. Nineteen the the nineteen seventy five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, they good. They cool dudes too, and that's oh, mine. Really? Yeah, yeah, good guys. They, yeah. <laughs> now they're good dudes, and um, they're really, I, they're I, I really put, cool dudes. Yeah, yeah, no, they, they they're cool guys, and um, I got to catch up with those kids, um, and Martin, you know, a couple of times, and uh, Martin's cool. killing it, man. He's killing it with them, and it was, it was pretty crazy, and and then uh, um, I know they do really, really well. Yeah, yeah, and, and us going to Japan, us and Yellow Card, remember that oh, yeah. shit? The whole Japan shit, insane. <laughs> yeah, that was a learning experience. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of learning, and fucking yeah. um, crazy um, times, man. We got to do a lot, and. And and all that shit, basically, right after that is when you fell into the whole. How much time was it after the Hazen Street was the end, and a then year, a year, a year after. Um, maybe it wasn't quite a year. It, you know, things fell along, but you know what? It might have been just months. Mm. Um, it kind of came back around to where uh, because like the the energy shifted from Hazen Street. Um, uh. I didn't know what to really do. So yeah, I was going to be looking for just a, again, I thinking I needed just a normal job. I was pretty burnt on um, dealing with, uh, you know, executive yeah. our promises, I guess I shouldn't just put it on a certain person, but I should say I was dealing tired of dealing with people's promises. And, uh, <clears throat> and um, so, and I, I, again, I didn't want it to control, my life and in that way and um but it just sort of came back to where going back from boxcar racer it was like that wasn't going to happen but tom and i started talking about this music again and he found him you know again we just started talking about yeah guys what if we could just kind of because boxcar racer kind of got also it became it, it had a lot of weird politics and a lot of you know people that were either having trouble with the sharing money or sharing yeah. popularity or feeling left yeah. out or, you know, there was a lot of personal things going on there and, um, and potential unhappiness. And then, so it was like, we just started talking about how can we maybe try to do an, but Tom and I always worked well together. So, um, or found, I think from boxcar racer that it could work. So we were like, well, what if we could build something else that or be a, you know, that could potentially, you know, minus all that other kind of goofy stuff. And, and just try to enjoy things and try to make music and have fun again. And yeah, so we started Angels and Airways. Yeah. And, and let me add, time. without getting, we don't have to get into him too much, but was he always into that fucking alien shit? Because that shit is, it's coming out that, you know, yeah. you know, maybe he was too crazy I, with it, but now that yeah. shit's coming out. Finally, there's like real shit on this I, whole alien shit. I, I, you know, a lot of, so like Angels, we weren't active for almost seven years and, a good portion of that Tom and I probably weren't very close just because I couldn't identify with his focus yeah. and he can't identify with mine, you know? And um, even though we live in the same virtual area, uh, we weren't very close to each other in our development, our lives. So people did though always perceive me as being close to him. So they're always asking me like, yo dude, did you hear his podcast? Um, Joe Rogan, or do you see this other thing that he's doing? Like, Oh, you know, a lot of like uh, gossip, 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 uh, trying to get clarity from me but i'm like look 
I don't actually know about the CIA and everything, but what I can un without a doubt say about Tom is he has been an enthusiast, you know, That's for as I long mean. as I've known him. So it's like anything that you're say, if you're a basketball fan or if you're whatever, this is what he is a fan of. Yeah. So he has been going down this path of trying to find answers since the mid nineties. So right, if so you yeah. want to say, give him credit for being passionate about this for the last yeah. couple decades, 25 years, he's only going to get better at it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Even if I'm not, even if I'm not a part of his life, I don't know the people he's met. Obviously I don't, they're never going to invite me. In yeah. Room. I don't even want to fucking go be honest with you because I'm just trying to sell coffee. So, you know, I just, I think it's fun and I think I want to be supportive of the stuff that he's doing, but it's not like I really know, but I just know that I can acknowledge what someone's, what they've done. And he's not, he's never changed. I mean, he's really about it. He's always been about it. It's not like a new thing. So yeah. for someone to say all of a sudden be like, Holy crap, he's totally gone you know he's gone nuts or he's yeah. done this as you know he's, he's he's always been this way. Like, yeah that's what i was, was more curious about, about that if he, you know if he was always about, like, into it yeah in the i can remember going to boxer race rehearsals and we had to drive all the way up to we were in san diego travis lived in riverside or corona actually and we'd have to go up to travis's warehouse because he has famous stars and traps and do the rehearsals there and i had to sit and listen to tom for like two hours each way talking about the new sumerians from three million years in the in the future at war with new sumerians and five million years in the future and the how they can warp time and travel i was like oh my fucking god dude. So, okay we gotta at least say my, he's a legit nut at least he was always yeah he he has melted my brain for years so it's like um but, so he's only gonna you know and he's he's pursued it you know i mean he was talking yeah. to general what you know like i don't he has been trying to talk to the right people that could give him the answers he wants for, for decades. So, I mean, like, it's, you know, it's, it's like what anyone's thing is. I mean, he's, he's about it and he believes it. And, and uh, I'm not a person to say any of it's true or not. Sorry. Uh, it's not true because he's, he's the one doing the research. He's the one yeah. putting in the work. You know, I don't do any work. I don't, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I don't put in that, that work that he does. And so, so I, I, I definitely stick up for him in that way. Even like, even for the years that I wasn't around him, I was like, you can say what you want, but I, I have to just by default stick up for him because, um, because he's always been that way. Yeah. And, and the cool shit is now like we got to run into you, which was, a, that was another cool little story. You know, you, you're starting to do some shows here and there with um, angels and airwaves, right? You're still doing yeah. stuff here and there, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, now, like, yeah, they, he, uh, Tom and I got reconnected a couple of years ago. I can't even believe it. it's been a year, like, whatever. But it was a little bit. He, he was going through a bit of a, a change in his personal life, and I think it opened him up to reconnect. Froze. Frozen. Froze. Being normal for a little bit, and then all of a sudden we just started chatting about shows. But yeah, and so we finally went back out and uh, and played um, God together and got through some rehearsals. And 
and so uh, doing some like you. So you do some pop up shows and some radio shows or, or, or shows like that. Well, right? we Whenever did pop up. Yeah, no. Well, we did a full thing last year. Like it was nutty. Uh, yeah, we did a full U.S. We did like two full U.S. runs. One, the second one that we ran into you on was a sort of a the Christmas holiday radio show run in December. Um, but prior to that, which still took us around uh, all 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 around the states for that month, and then we had done like a six week run uh, around just North America. Um, you know, some uh, what do you call it? Like you know, back in uh, September and October. Yeah. And uh, it was cool. That that was a cool um, coinky dink. What happened with us and you guys uh, to, to be able to see you out in fucking Minneapolis. That was just, that was for me, it was really incredible because I was just, yeah, we were just sitting, I was sitting in my, the hotel room and yeah, we were in Minneapolis. The band itself hadn't played. I hadn't gotten to see you in so long i fortunately you know you guys have been so active and the times have lined up to where i still get to come and at least get a yeah. get a hug you know um from everybody uh because you guys still coming through san diego but it still was just so different it felt like it's been way too long and then all of a sudden freddie messaged me he goes hey i think you're in uh minneapolis right now cool. and i was like yeah i i said where where are you and he's i'm in minneapolis i was like we're playing at the first street, whatever, whatever yep. the club is, first street or something. First Avenue. First Avenue. Yeah. And uh, he's all, I'm going to be right there. I was like, wait a second, wait a second. I'm actually in my hotel room right now. And he's like, where's that? And I'm like, it's like the freaking Howard Johnson or whatever it was. Or, yeah. And he's all, he's like, shut the fuck up. He's like, that's, I'm that right now. And I was like, he's literally, you got literally the room below me or something. Yeah. I'm like, I'm just watching Robocop right now. I'm going to. <laughs> the crazy shit was this. We were actually playing um, um, the next town. What's the other, uh, you know, there's yeah. Minneapolis and um, whatever the next Twin City is. The, uh, yeah. And, and, and basically was Freddie fucked up on the hotel. Like, you know, he yeah. thought, man, you know, man, we're staying away. You know, um, we were supposed to fucking get a hotel near the, the, the venue. Yeah. And now we got to stay over here. And I'm laying in bed or something. And they're like, yo, Dave Kennedy's here. All I know is that was one of the most, that was very special uh, for me. Speaking for, for myself. Too. Like, I was just like, there was just a really, I don't know, comforting thing to have you guys be able to be in a hotel and get to see you guys like. Oh yeah, yeah. It, was, it was meant to be. Same thing. They were like, I get a text. I, I think it was my boy Steven. He's the who helps me out with the podcast. I think it was him who was with us. Somebody I forgot who. And they were like, Yo, Dave Kennedy's around. I said what? They go, Yo, he's in the hotel. And I was like, What are you talking about? Like, get the fuck. And they're like, No, he's at the hotel. And I, I said, I'm coming down right now. Yeah. And then that's when yeah, we fucking so got cool. to link up. Crazy small world. I mean, when it comes to that, yeah, it's, it's, it's such a big world. But then when you whittle it down, yeah, you know, but people will find the same that are on that path, like run into each other. Yeah. Just, that was random. Again, with the music, how, you know, you know, dealing with hotels, touring, that's how, we, you know, the, the forces helps us connect, you know, is through this music shit and fucking, um, after the, obviously this COVID shit, how much is this? How did it fuck with your business a little bit over here, over there? Fuck with the coffee. It What's just the deal? felt like it's just felt like uh, you know the world has had their sort of their boot on our neck, you know, this whole time. 
and it's like, are they going to apply more pressure? Are they going to, you know, relieve some pressure? It's just, yeah. still there. People are pulling the strings. They've allowed, you know, from my work, they've allowed us to navigate it and operate still on right. some capacity. So we didn't, you know, we've, we've just, as, as much as we can do, we do. And, um, we've been able to operate through this whole thing. Um, Good. And, and try to make it as comfortable for everybody as possible from the people that are working in the yeah. shops every day and from the people that are coming in. Uh, just trying to make everyone somehow just try to keep morale somewhere. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I love the spot, man. We had a good time the last time we got to, to, yeah. to jump in and I got to yeah. show you how to put the yeah. pullovers. You know oh, yeah. I mean? You went to the others. Yeah, you went to the, the That was a bummer because I missed you guys coming down because Fred, one of you guys on the map where they had an hour or an hour and a half off. I don't know. I had to do something with my daughter. So. But um, anyway, yeah, you came down and did a guest, a guest oh, spot. A guest pour. Listen, you know, then, you know that whenever we're there, the first thing we're talking, this is not even a joke. We're like, what time we're we getting in? Yo, we're hitting Dave's spot. But, what spot are we close? Oh, is he around or what's what? You know the routine. We always link up. I for would say the, the guys working, um, guys and girls working. I think it was M and Fernando. They were just, they still talk about it. They're just so pumped. on the right. And they were like, well, how are we going to know? Because I was like, look, these guys are coming. And he's like, how? I was like, they're like, but how are we going to know who it is? I was like, don't you'll know. know. Like, you'll know. Like, it's you'll gonna be, it is gonna be the most obvious thing to date in your life right now. <laughs> like, with the door swing not, open, we're like, yo, what yeah, up, yo, where's Dave? Is, right away, I was like, where's Dave Kennedy? Yo, go call him right away, I threatening like, him. I, I was like, there's no way that you will not know. So, no, but that's good. I'm glad. And um, what's the so what's the plan? So it's good. The coffee shops open. Anybody, yeah. everybody out there in the fucking California area, go hit that shit up. And um, you might be doing um any more angels uh in airwave shit. Yeah, after all well, this the plan. The, the Tom has been really active. He's been writing a lot of music. They were, I know, I was hoping to put out a record, but it's, everything's been getting pushed because there's not a way to support the record coming out. Um, so I think it's the same things you guys are experiencing as far as like just kind of routing something yeah. for 2021 but nobody really knows if they can when it comes time can they pull the trigger yeah. so i think it's the same for angels and airwaves we have a lot of stuff on the schedule this year um but uh it's everything getting pushed till actually i think they're just we're just conceded to the end of uh, fall of 2021 potentially so um we can look out for more coffee and, and some more yeah. angels and airwaves and remember, yeah. if you need an animal to eat your beans and shit them out for some special I'll, brew, I'll, I need a job. <laughs> yeah. we get, I can always find something else for you. We, we yeah. <laughs> Yo. I, I know there's a lot more value in there uh, than that. Listen, I, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a worker, B. Just let me know. Just let me know there's where no you need doubt. me to shit those things out. You know what I mean? But, um. Yeah. I'm glad I got to catch up with you, Dave. I told you I need to get DK on this. And I'm glad yeah. that we had a little technical. No, we had some time. Basically, I got my GED, everybody. And we were talking um, a Pacific and Eastern time. And I got my numbers and my times messed up. And we made it happen. Well, but whatever. We're, whatever, yeah. We're we here. made it happen. But I'm really glad we got to catch up, Dave. Uh, hopefully, we could fucking... 
one of these years, we might just do a pop-up Hazen Street thing, you know, only Madison Square Garden or like, you know, or have Madison Oasis Garden, open definitely. for us. You know what I mean? Something yeah. like that. For Hazen Street, maybe we could hit that stage together again. Yeah, yeah again, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, everybody, yeah, and remember, when, when, when we're going to, all the shows, all the Madison, all the arena shows Hazen Street does will be sponsored by James Coffee. So everybody out there, <laughs> get ready. Everybody, I want everybody out there, if you're in the San Diego area, go hit fucking Dave Spot up. He got banging coffee. You ask him about stories of Hoya Rock. He might give you a little discount. And um, yeah. I've got some stories. Yeah. <laughs> well, not all of them. You know, some of them you keep, you know, for um, returning customers. I got some stories. I got some stories. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be kind. Yeah, but uh, Dave, I'm glad we got, got to catch up with you. Um, we talk soon. Hopefully, we'll be over there soon, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm planning. We're, we're yeah. Hopefully, we're going to be recording again. Hopefully, with Tim in LA, and hopefully, you know, you make a little trip okay. up. We make a little trip down. We, you know, uh, we got to get together. You know, I'll come. I'll come up if you guys are, and not to run this out, but like, I was. Um, how crazy you guys? We you, you made it here in February. I know. I mean, last the last crazy. tour we did was the California run. We you were one of the last people we saw. I think. Yeah. We went from there to Frisco, and then that was the last show we fucking played. So, you know, crazy. it was good to be able to see you like. In Minneapolis, yeah. and then catch you at the spot, you know. Yeah. You know, with, with you, we, we didn't get into it on this one, but, like, I, you know, me and you had – I think me and you were the ones that had the most fun with Hazen Street, you know, even yeah. if, if we were if we were the ones well, – I think, know, yeah, I wasn't stressing out, you know. Yeah, like, I if know. it was on the Warp Tour, you know, doing our little, you know, our little rounds, playing softball. We, we were killing it with yeah. the softball, remember, you know. With George. With George. Yeah, levels with Royce. We had a we, we would talk about the bad news bears, man. We had a fucking some shit going on. But um it was always I was glad to catch up with you, man. Same thing with Freddie. We were amped to see you. You know, yeah. again, it was like uh it was magic that happened, how we got to connect. And um, yo, hopefully we see you soon out there and I could, we could pay a visit or you come up to LA and we fucking we could pound oh, yeah. some coffee and talk some shit. Keep me posted. Yeah, definitely. Yo, Dave, thanks for coming on. Again, if you're in San Diego, everybody, go to James Coffee. Go get that cafe. He loves to talk about me, so you could ask him all the questions you, you, you want about Hoya Rock. And um, Dave, love you, bro. Mad love, love to you your too. family, to everybody, and hope to see you soon, dude. See you. Peace out.